This is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is your home for survivors like myself and those who are searching to find meaning to their why. In season two, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed immediately by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the business, marketing, coaching, and financial worlds. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed or has been edited. As a board-certified wellness coach, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate if you could share it and subscribe. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. In Season 2, Episode 5, titled The One About Optimizing Wellness, Brendan Kumarsamy's dependence on time is his greatest asset and a destructive foe. He ponders whether the two can harmoniously coexist. Hey, Brendan, how are you doing today? Very good, Savio. How about you, man? I'm, I'm doing well. So what would you like coaching on today? Yeah, for sure. So I think for me, it's like just to talk about my situation, is there's always been a trade-off between my time and other priorities. So let's say someone like me, I'm always open to being healthy. I'm always open to eating right, but I don't want to do it in, in, in exchange for my time. So, and a good example with me was when I was like from 12 to 18, I would do a lot of martial arts, exercise a lot. But then I started taking my business and what I was doing more seriously, I kind of just said, I'm not going to spend time. Like I don't cook, right? I don't like spending time cooking or things like that. And the other thing that I find confusing is like health pe- experts and everyone gives you a bunch of different advice. So for me, what I'm really looking for is tips that I can do that optimizes my life. So one example of things that I do is I eat an avocado every day. It's not hard. I don't have to cook it. I just put it in my mouth and then I move on. I do the same thing with blueberries and then my mom cooks me lunch and dinner. So I think the idea is, is there better ways for me to optimize that schedule basically? Okay, great. So what I'm hearing from you is that you want to find ways to optimize just things that you sort of think of regarding health and wellness specifically. Is that correct? You got it. Like, I don't have that, like, I don't have, like, junk food issues. Like, I don't eat, like, sugar. Like, I mean, sugar. I mean, I don't eat, like, candies or anything. Like, I'm pretty clean. But I think that the better question is, like, what can I do better? What, how can I be better? And how can I optimize my wellness better, essentially? So what would be one specific goal regarding that optimization for today's call? One goal for optimization? I would say... <laughs> ideally one thing that would really knock it out is to implement one new strategy that I have it done so I'm happy to go through everything that I do and then you can suggest a way that says oh you could do this it's super easy that won't take that much time that will add value there okay great so you mentioned to figure out sort of one particular strategy so what are some strategies that you've done yeah absolutely so this is what so this is basically my daily routine so I wake up at like 9 a.m. I start my meetings, you know, boom, 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 podcast interviews, all that stuff. And then after, and I always skip breakfast. So I never eat breakfast. Then I go, always go straight to lunch. And lunch is always simple. It's rice, curry, or some sort of vegetarian dish that comes in. And then I eat that. And then there's an avocado next to it. So to make sure I'm not food combining, three hours later, that's when I start eating a lot more fruit. So I, instead of eating candies, I just chug a bunch of blueberries into my mouth, strawberries, things like that. Then I've, And before I eat the strawberries, what I do before is I work out for 15, 20 minutes. So I always work out in the evenings, never work out in the mornings. It's like a quick ab workout, and then I just dance in my basement for 15 minutes. And then after I have my fruit, I wait another three hours, have dinner, which is usually the same thing, rice, curry, a vegetarian uh, dish, and that's my day. And then I go to bed, and then I start again. So no yoga, no meditation. And then obviously there's personal development where I'm uh, listening to podcasts or reading books. So what is an actual benefit from the strategy that you would like to get out of? From the, from the one that you would recommend to me? 
Yeah, or just generally in terms of the strategy that you want. What would be a benefit? Yeah, of course. I think one one benefit in particular that I would like is variety. Like, I think one issue with my strategy is, like, I'm always eating the same thing every day, and that's great. And I do cheat maybe once every couple of weeks, you know, like a burger or something. But, you know, it would be great to find new ways of adding more healthier foods into my into my daily routine that would add variety in my my tongue <laughs> on my tongue essentially but at the same time i also don't want to cook so the things that i eat right now is the things that pretty much every health expert agrees on because everyone's disagreeing on everything so i literally just eat blueberries strawberries avocados um, unsalted unshelled pistachios and I also did pecans for a bit, but then I got tired of them. And then outside of that, just my mom's cooking, which is, you know, white rice with, you know, the usual. But I just eat a lot less rice than I used to because there's a lot of carbs there. But that's it, right? So is there, like, something else I should be eating that you think I'm not? That's basically what I'm looking for. Um, so specifically, though, is there a health benefit from these foods that you would like to get out of? Not really. I think I think my goal, because uh, I because I listened to a podcast with David Sinclair about increasing lifespan, and my my idea is really just I just want to live longer. That's it, really. You want to live longer, okay? Yeah. And the ideas of living longer means what to you? Interesting. <laughs> uh, b- living as long as possible with the same physical and mental capabilities that I have today. And is there anyone you know of that? has reached that type of optimum level of health? I don't, unfortunately. In my close circle, uh, no, I don't. But I, but I look up to experts like you to kind of help me navigate through that, though. Okay. Uh, so you talked earlier about variety. So beyond fruits, are there is there any other variety when it comes to proteins or carbs that you gravitate towards? Yeah, absolutely. So if I break down my mother's cuisine, it's usually so it's always white rice. It's never not like a very bad rice. It's a kind of in the middle, I guess. Who knows, to be honest. But beyond that, it's like a you know dal or you know vegetarian, and the curry always changes. So usually it's either pork curry or chicken curry or fish curry or things like that. So that's kind of how the proteins change from day to day, but uh, mostly it it fluctuates between those three uh, curries. <laughs> Do you want to implement this variety with the meals or just as snacks? Great question. It would definitely be with snacks. And the reason is because I don't want to spend a single minute of my day making a meal like ever. So for me, if there, if you have like a, if you think I should be eating raspberries more, then I'll go buy raspberries tomorrow because it doesn't take time. I'm just listening to a podcast. I wash it. I eat it. But if it's like, here's a recipe that you need to spend 30 minutes on, I just will opt out of that. Like I'll never do that. Because it's just my personal take. Got it. So when it came to these specific ones you mentioned, you know, blueberries, you mentioned avocado, how did you come to figure that out? (laughs) That's a great question. So this is Guy I follow, uh, Stephen. Well, I I listen to a lot of these podcasts, you know, Stephen Gundry, Mark Hyman, a lot of these holistic health, health experts. Basically, what I did is I stumbled on this PDF of Stephen Gundry's yes-no list. So basically, what it is is he lists out a bunch of things that you should never eat, a bunch of things you should eat. And then I try and cross-reference that with other people I admire in the space because everyone's just disagreeing with each other. I think there's a lot of confusion. <laughs> so so one example, right? So Stephen says that you should never eat bread. So we're, you know this, right? We're taught to believe that bread is this great thing that we should be eating. But because of gluten, it kind of ruins the way that you live. Like Even rice. So like I was shocked to find that rice is like gluten so I was like well I can't stop eating rice so I'll reduce my intake so those kinds of things and what I found was the only fruits that he recommends eating even if a lot of other people recommend eating a bunch of other fruit is berries when they're in season and avocados like never nobody seems to disagree with avocados so I just eat that and berries is I I just assume it's any kind of berry so uh, so that's how I came to that conclusion do you eat the Avocado solo? Literally just solo. You got it. I just, it doesn't taste really good. That's why what I do is I mix it up with berries after. So I just, I, I, I shove it in my mouth. Then after that, I just take a bunch of berries and then it offsets the taste. Is there any other benefit besides this health benefit that you get from avocados? No. 
It's literally just health. I really don't like eating Lou. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you think of sort of adding, let's say, more snacks to your every day, mm-hmm. what are you thinking could it possibly be? That's the thing. I think this is where I'm not sure because when I was a kid, I used to eat a bunch of like granola bars or like drink orange juice from Tropicana. And then I learned like literally last year that like not like 20 years, like last year that all this is terrible for you. So I just said, why are you marketing this to me like this? Anyways, it's pretty, I was not very happy. But is the idea is my guess is it's probably going to be like other varieties of nuts. Like, I've tried pecans, but I don't really like the taste of pecans. I've tried walnuts. I don't really like walnuts, like the taste of them. So it's probably like another nut or really just a snack that I'm just not aware of. Maybe rice cakes are healthy for me, though I don't think they are. So uh, that's that's probably my thinking. But I'm open. I'm open to hearing thoughts. Have those experts you mentioned, like Mark Hyman and all the other ones, you've, have they mentioned nuts in their talks? Absolutely. So, so Stephen talks a lot about nuts. So what he does every day, he's a bit more extreme though with his olive oil and everything. But I think what he does is he takes, he has a variety of nuts. So let's say he said he has a mix of pecans, pistachios. I actually don't really know his mix exactly. So I have to probably research that more. And that's what he has as a snack. So that's maybe a, a thing. I guess I was too lazy, honestly, to, to look up what the exact mix is so I can copy it. And if you incorporated nuts, how do you suppose you might ingest them? Oh, I just eat them straight raw. So I would just, uh, just put them in my mouth, chew them. Right. I wouldn't combine it with anything else, unless you feel I should. It's really your choice, but um, <laughs> what about sort of, have you thought of maybe combining it with some type of liquid? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, probably water. Is there is there any other liquid I should be consuming? I mostly just drink water and black tea with no sugar. That's mostly Have you ever I'm... tried uh, like a shake or something of that nature? Yeah, I, I've considered shakes. I think the reason is back to the time thing. I don't even want to sm- spend like 10 minutes making a shake. So I was like, screw it. I'll just drink water and shove a bunch of nuts in my mouth. <laughs> That doesn't sound right, but yeah. Anyways, you get it. Are there any... um, Purveyors in your area that has these already made. What does purveyor mean? Stores or boutiques oh, or juice, gotcha. juice places. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's definitely something I need to consider, like especially like shakes and things like that. I think right now the only barriers for me is I guess I've just been saving a lot of money, so I don't want to spend seven bucks on a shake. That's probably it. But it's definitely something I'll do in the future, though. And the other part is um, they're not very near my house, so I guess I would have to take a bus, and I guess with COVID I'll freak my mom out that I'm leaving the house to get a shake. <laughs> but I agree, though, in the sense that I should think about those spaces, especially when I'm back to traveling again. And in the time element you mentioned, you don't want to spend time preparing these. Is that you don't want to spend time preparing it daily or preparing it at all? Preparing it at all. You got it. So you mentioned a couple of times about your family. How does that work with their particular diet or ways about going regarding food intake? Yeah, great questions. So, so I think the way that that my mom has raised me is, you know, I got lucky, you know, you know, you generally are, our diets are pretty healthy relative to most populations. So she didn't feed me McDonald's every day, but at the same time, you know, we had a bunch of arguments about what is actually healthy and what isn't. So for example, like, you know, my mom would eat vegetarian on Friday, which is obviously super healthy. It's always good to be veg, like maybe once or twice a week. No hard answers. Obviously I'm sure 10 people disagree with me right now, but you know what I mean? Whatever. But she also eats like cake for breakfast, not like birthday cake, but let's say like a loaf cake. And she views that as healthy too. And I would say, no, that's not healthy at all. Like, why are you balancing that? So, so there's definitely been back and forth, but I think I got lucky in the sense that those conversations are really healthy. So for example, I remember <laughs> two years ago, I went up to her and I said, peanuts aren't good for you. 
you should not be eating them. Like most people are allergic to them as a reason. They're not good for our bodies and for human beings in general. She got really upset. She's because when when we go to Indian festivals, like temples and stuff, people sell peanuts. Like that's what people eat and popcorn. It's like a mix of this. So for she doesn't view peanuts as a bad thing. Even just they're terrible for you. So I just said no. You got to change the pistachios. It took me like a month to convince her. But now she doesn't eat peanuts anymore. Now she eats pistachios. So those kinds of changes. But she's really open to those conversations if I have a good backing for them. Has she ever given you advice? Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Things like you should eat a lot more vegetarian. I, I don't eat. I'm not a big veg guy. I'm a very omnivore. So in the sense of there has to always be meat in my dish all the time that I'm eating. So let's say I'm not all the time. Obviously, there's some meals that I'm just vegetarian, but those are definitely the exception, not the norm. So for example, if I'm eating rice, it's always with chicken. It's always with uh, vegetarian food uh, or like a dish. But when I'm eating like just rice or vegetarian, there's always some sort of chicken there. So there's, there's definitely a bit too much protein. My diet, not enough to be like crazy, but uh, my mom has definitely given me that advice before. Has she ever commented on your snacking? No, actually. Maybe in the past, yeah, because I used to like eat a lot of uh, chocolates and chips and uh, these spicy trail mixes, Indian trail mixes that were pretty oily and not very good for me. She doesn't really uh, comment on my snacking anymore, though. Okay, so I'm just like so like curious though about sort of this aspect of when you shove them in your mouth. Can you explore that a little further with me? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so basically what I do is, uh, like, let's say I'm in a meeting or in between meetings, and I got, I don't know, 10 minutes, and I know I have to eat my blueberries for the day, so I go upstairs, take out blueberries, wash them up, put them down, and just just pluck them in. So uh, I, I'm a pretty fast eater. That's probably something I need to work on. Uh, so, you know, I eat blueberries pretty quickly. So that's what I mean, shove into my mouth. I, I actually don't take it all and put it in, but I meant in the sense of like, which is probably not the right terminology, but you know, like I pluck them in pretty quickly. So they're probably done in like 10, 15 minutes. And is plucking them in or putting them in your mouth, is there a satiating part of that? Yeah, but it's probably not very long. Like, it's, you know, maybe five seconds, probably less. It's it's not, it's not, it's definitely not enough. It's enough to cause concern. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not fast. I'm, I'm very fast, I mean. So that could be something I could work on for sure. Have you ever taken the time to just try and savor one blueberry? I did that once with a piece of chocolate in February. Is at this conference, and that's what we did. And we spent five minutes eating the same piece of chocolate. It was excruciatingly painful. Uh, that's something I need to try with blueberries, though, for sure. <laughs> I'm so fascinated now. So, what was excruciatingly painful about the chocolate? Oh, uh, that's just a flaw in my personality, Savvy. I'm just really impatient, as you can probably tell. Even if I have, like, I'm a coach too, like, I'm patient with other people, but I'm never patient with myself. So let's say I got 10 minutes to, or 10 meetings to bullet through. Like, I'm just, like, really, really quick all the time. So for me, excruciating, so when I need to slow things down, in, in, a, in a process that I can optimize really quickly, it drives me insane. So let's say when I'm pausing now in a presentation or something like this, I don't mind. Look, that's just a part of the process. But if I can eat food faster, right, that I can chew it, then I'm going to take that so I can get an extra minute in my day, which is a huge personality flaw for sure. <laughs> so if I had to have you sort of evaluate on one hand time, which is your schedule, and then food, how close to you does that sit? Can, can you explain that same question sure. differently? Sure, so if yeah. I had you go in, on one hand, time and efficiency and what you need to get done for the, for the day, and another hand, you're snacking, food. How close to your life and your importance does each of them reside? Right, for me, my time is probably 
five to seven times more important, probably more than the food that I intake. So just to give you an idea with me, I used to eat really unhealthy. Like, you know, three years ago, I was just like, you know, junk food all the time. I just got lucky my mom cooked most of my meals. So the only time I would eat junk is when my mom wasn't cooking for me. So it wasn't really good. But what I realized was I had the ability to eat right without sacrificing my time. So like instead of having a chip, I could have an avocado and it's it's not going to take up different amount of time so over like as time went on essentially i was able to replace a lot of the sugar the chocolates with blueberries a lot of the things with other things but at the end of the day for me and i guess that's just a personal unique thing to me for me time is way more important the only exception to that rule that i could think of is when the food that I'm eating or intaking is an experience that I'm relishing in. So I'll give an example. Let's say I'm having a dinner with my friends or something, or you know, a partner or a family member. I won't. Uh, I won't eat really quickly. Like the the pace that I eat that food is extremely slow because we spend two hours in that restaurant talking, uh, which I haven't been doing a lot obviously this year. But <laughs> but uh, for. Well, that's the only exception to the rule, or if I'm having like dinner with my family, but if it's outside of that experiential element of food, I'm always I'm always just like it's I, it's just a thing, right? It's a chore. I'm just getting rid of it and moving on to the next thing. Is the experiential aspect of food always with other people? For me, yes. Uh, Definitely, like one thing that's coming up in this conversation is maybe I should try that with just myself. Uh, and I do that sometimes, like when I'm eating a poke bowl, like an airplane, and I have like five hours before a layover, which obviously isn't the case now, but like let's say last year. But for the most part, you're correct. Most of the experience I have with food is definitely with other people. And with snacking, do you do that with other people? Hmm. 90% of cases, no. 10% of cases, I'm pretty sure. I just have to think of situations. Probably like when around my family that would count. But I would say in most situations, snacking is definitely done alone. Yeah, you know, you mentioned sort of this five to seven times more important is your time. Can we explore that? Would you like to try an experiment with me? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of trouble explaining this, though, but I'll try my okay. best. So uh, I just want you to get comfortable in, in your seat. If you yeah, feel yeah. even more comfortable, just soften your gaze or close your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I just want you to sort of think back sort of or sure. to a time about time. Has this always been prevalent for you, this idea of sort of time? Hmm. Uh, absolutely. I would say it's more so when I was in my 10s, I was really focused on making a lot of money because, you know, I grew up in poverty. I wanted to, to make ends meet, essentially, right? And I wanted to, you know provide a better opportunity for the people around me. But as I started making income, my my uh, my money dial shifted very quickly to my time dial in the sense that money is the one asset that we can't buy more of. So when that happened to me and I realized how important my time was, I had to optimize them in better ways. So time has been something I think that I've added a lot more importance to my life probably in the last four or five years, I would say. If you could sort of, I don't know, describe time for me, how would you describe it to me? That's a good question. I would say for me, time is, is, is like running quicksand where you're trying to pull yourself out as quickly as possible, but it's going to drown you out in the end. That's probably my best definition of time. So basically, we're all we're all living on these shot clocks, and we all have a certain amount of time to do something if we want to do anything, but we can't buy back the shot clock. Like we can't reset the timer. So I, I'm always moving really quickly, and I guess one of the struggles because of that. Obviously, the advantage is you know I get a lot done. I'm really efficient. I've achieved quite, you know some success, but the disadvantage is I don't spend enough time just sitting in the moment of where I am. And if time was the concept of it was anywhere in your physical body, where would it reside? Hmm. Probably my brain. 
if I had to if I had to guess educa- obviously we're talking very abstractly now but yeah that's my thinking because like uh, time is more of an intellectual concept so I'm always thinking about how many minutes are there in every day I'm always thinking about the meeting I have right after this or the meeting I had before this or you know that kind of thing so I would say the brain probably is it always on all the time 24 <laughs> seven. could you tap into this sort of this 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 you said it's in the brain and it's always on can you tap into it a little bit yeah absolutely uh, i think depending on you kind of live if and everybody's got their own thing for sure and there's nothing wrong there's no right or right right or wrong i mean but i think in my case it's always been you know keep it on all the time because you never know what new idea or what insight will come about so let's say i'm sleeping so this happens a lot more ha- more often than i would like but you know like it's 3 a.m i wake up i got a night light on my screen and everything so everything's like blu-rayed but then i have this idea then i just go oh i gotta write it down somewhere so i write it down then i go back to bed so if like this is fear of turning off my brain because i'll lose insights that i could otherwise gain given that I won't live a long time, I want to make sure to get as many insights as possible so I can share it with everyone else. Mm, this fear. Has this fear ever sort of let you down? Hmm. Not really, but if I had to pick one moment, just to, to answer the question for the sake of it, is... There are definitely moments in my life where where I haven't enjoyed the moment. So not enjoyed the moment, it's like, this sucks, but I meant like <laughs> in the sense of where I felt like I could have spent a bit more time being more present. So I'll give an example. So two weeks ago, my cousins came over for the week, and that was the first time in my life that I turned off social media for five days. First time ever. Like, I never do that because I'm always on all the time. And that's why I like it. Like, the second they left, you know, I was back on, I was happy, right? But in those five days, I couldn't default back to my phone whenever they were sleeping or whenever they were doing something else. I had to always keep my focus on them. So we just did a lot more things. You know, we played basketball. We, you know, sat in the grass. We talked about love. We talked about weird shit, you know? But I think the idea was... That was one of the benefits, but I, I I never do that, right? So in other parts of my life in the past, you know, when I would hang out with my cousins, I would, wouldn't be nearly as present because it would be midnight, we'd be talking, and then a second they go to bed, I would turn on my phone right away and just do business, right, or do something. So there are definitely places where the fear has let me down, not in a big enough way where it's like this is tragic, but I definitely see the 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 mistake of doing that 10 years down the line when I have my own family, right? When I have my own kids, if I'm not like present with them, uh, that'll shoot me in the foot, right? So I think uh, I have to practice that a lot more today. I'm curious about, you said five days without social media. How was your snacking during those five days? pretty horrifying it was it's the only five days in the year where i let loose so i was eating chips super unhealthy snacking with you know my cousins we were just eating cakes just a bunch of unhealthy like i i pretty much had to clean out my entire stomach the week after like it's just (laughs) yeah so in that instance you were snacking communally with them that's correct yeah yeah you mentioned a few times about this sort of fear can you describe the fear the fear of, I guess, like letting it down. Yeah, uh, I think the fear comes from uh, missing out on a moment that matters. Like up until this point, like to be transparent, I don't feel like I've missed a moment. Like I don't feel like I've missed like because of my crazy twenty-four-seven insanity. I don't think I've missed anything, but I definitely think if I keep going like this. I'll always be like this, but I meant in the sense of, you know, stopping in the moment where I see it matters. If I don't do that more thoughtfully and more intentionally, I'll miss out on really important moments in my life. So that's something uh, that I'm scared of that hasn't happened, that I fear might happen. What do you think this fear wants from you? That's that's a good question. Uh, I have to think about that one. You're good at this. What does the fear want from me? Um, it wants me to reinvest my time 
into things outside of the business, and I'm not willing to do that. But that's what the fear wants from me, I think. Do you believe the fear? I don't. <laughs> but I have a feeling that later in life I will. <laughs> that's the... Later that's in the, life you will. And if you didn't listen to the fear, what would happen later in life? I had a very successful business. Uh, my parents wouldn't have to worry about ends meet. But on the negative side, I'll miss moments that matter. Right? I'll miss, uh, you know, kids growing up from birth I'll miss, you know, baseball games that I was supposed to go to. So I think, I think for me, and I've come to terms with it, but I guess it's always a work in progress like we all are, is this idea of how do I constantly adjust myself as I get older without judging myself? So I think for me, the approach, and for everyone's listening, you know, the approach is going to be different for you. Like, I'm a very 16-hour kind of guy. I have meetings on a Saturday until 9 p.m. It's just the way that I am. Whereas other people are like, well, I want my weekends to rest. I, I think the in-between, the way we can all agree, and the way that kind of I see it, is as long as I invest the quality time with people and don't let the fear get in the way of, like, judging me for not spending enough time with people... I think I'll be okay. But I guess it's still a work in progress in how I adjust that. So how would you begin? What would be an action step for you? Hmm, that's good. I would say an action step for me is to clearly outline what quality time means. So I'll give you an example. So me and my sister, because we've been in COVID, because I mostly travel, so I never really talk to my family that much. I mean, I talk, but I don't, uh, I don't stick with them. Like We're not always in the same house all the time. So what I did this year was, you know, I wrote love letters to my sister and my mom because I had time for it and they really appreciated it, like handwritten stuff. And I also spent, you know, a week, once a week now watching a movie with my little sister, something I never did for a very long time because I would just spend most of my hours working. So I think for me, the next action step is to figure out how I can get those quick wins with my mother or my sister in a way that uh, that fulfills both of us. And makes my time efficient. So one action step that my coach actually told me to do yesterday was to go on a walk with my mom. And it was awesome, right? You know, I was done all my meetings. I had a couple of hours, just walk and talk. So I just need to do that more regularly in my life. So instead of just doing it sporadically, because anything that doesn't get scheduled doesn't get done, I'll probably do that more regularly once a week. What are your thoughts on sort of creating an action step regarding this snacking strategy? How would that work? Hmm. Maybe snack a bit more communally with my mother would be one. That's definitely one that I could do. Or eat healthier with the people around me, not just alone in my basement snacking on food. Uh, so that definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I do do that, but not uh, as often as I should. That's for sure. Because I did mention 90% of my snacking is done alone. So I agree. Uh, that's definitely something I should be doing. Are there any sort of resources or tools in your life that you could use to help you in that way? Mm. Probably accountability partners. Like my coach, you know, like making sure that um, he's slapping me in the face whenever <laughs> I don't <laughs> do that. But yeah, I would say other than that, it's it's. I think for me, the biggest resource is conversation in the sense of, you know, talking to my sister and mother constantly. Like, how am I doing? Am I being a good brother slash son? Am I contributing the hours that I should be to maintain the same quality time? And I've been doing okay with that. I don't judge myself for it. But I think the idea is more, how do I have those conversations more often? So I think that's probably the best resource that comes to mind. Do you check in with them often? I do, multiple times a day. So let's say I'm, so one tick I do is whenever I wash blueberries, I always give them some, right? So it's always a good way for me mentally to kind of touch base with them. So I have to find those mental tricks more often instead of just staying alone in my cave, uh, just writing a bunch of meetings. So previously you mentioned a limited amount of fruits. What are some other fruits do you think you might be open to? Interesting. I, I, I'm a pretty open-minded guy, Savvy. So for me, it's like, if everyone can agree that the that the fruit is healthy, then that's definitely something I would eat. So for example, uh, some things that come to mind is maybe blackberries 
or raspberries. Like, like bananas are a good example. Some people think they're healthy, some people think they're not. Some people are like, well, you should eat bananas. And other experts go, well, no, you get a huge sugar rush and it's high triglycerides and you're just there like, wait, what? I thought bananas were... <laughs> so it's just very confusing. So I'm open to it, provided everyone agrees on the fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and how would you find out not only if everyone agrees, but that if it's the right fit for you? How would that work? Uh, definitely taste for me. And how easy it is to prepare. So fruits, obviously, it's simple. Uh, for example, I would be less attuned to oranges. I'm a freak, by the way, for those who listen. So I'd be less attuned to oranges just for the sake because it takes me three extra minutes to to unpeel the orange, right? Not because I hate oranges or have anything against oranges. It just takes me time. Versus like an apple. Wash, pluck, right? You know, bite, done. So I think the idea is... Um, that's one. Taste is another thing. Like, I just don't like the taste of apples, so I don't eat apples or cherries. They give me a weird pit in my throat whenever I have them. So, uh, so I just, so yeah, that's, I don't know if that answers the question. Though. <laughs> it's totally fine. Do you, how does grocery shopping work for you? It doesn't. <laughs> so, so my mom actually does all the grocery shopping, so I just tell her what, uh, what I want. And obviously I don't complicate things. It's always blueberries, avocados. Thanks, mom. Love you. <laughs> Pistachio. That's that's how grocery shopping works in for me. Could that change? For me, no. <laughs> Definitely. Not. But could it change in terms of the things that I that I would need? Absolutely. Or things that I would need to adjust. So how would you adjust it? Where would you start? Yeah, I think I think for me the adjustment period would be like to to kind of figure out how other experts are eating different fruits and nuts that I haven't considered, and then simply take the action of either ordering that online or asking my mom to pick it up at the grocery store and trying it, uh, with the and then checking the ingredients and then making sure we're aligned, we're always buying the same thing, and then I would try it, essentially. How does sort of the fam family dynamics sort of works in terms of what they eat? Is there an overlap? Uh Lots of overlap. I think the only difference is I'm the only person in the family who doesn't eat breakfast. And my mom and sister do. So, you know, they have a little loaf cake in the morning with their tea. I just drink the tea um, straight and then I just go back downstairs. That's the only big difference. Uh, they all still eat the same. Uh, they, they sort of kind of adapted part of my diet. So they eat the avocado now. They eat the blueberries and that kind of stuff. So there's definitely a lot of overlap, which I'm grateful for, of course. Is there anyone in your family that has food restrictions? Not that I can think of, no. Yeah, so you mentioned this accountability for, uh, so how can you be accountable for yourself beyond the coach that you said you work with? Probably schedule in a calendar. Uh, one one great advice I heard from uh, from Damon John, he says that you should treat everything, if you're an entrepreneur, you should treat everything in your life like a business. You should treat your relationships like a business. And the reason is because, you know, you'll, you'll never miss a meeting for your business, right? But you decide to miss meetings for your family, your, your business, or your things for your relationships, or the things that matter outside of the business. So you should treat everything as if it's a business. So one thing I don't do, that I should do, uh, is that I should schedule in the walks with my mom in a calendar. I think the only reason I haven't done that, even if it's not a good excuse, is because since my meetings change all the time, I can't always have a consistent time where I meet people. But at the same time, I should have something more consistent. I should prior be prioritizing that a lot more. So that's mm. what comes to mind. And if you schedule that time with your mom, what would you do with her? Well, we would just walk and talk. Uh, my mother is a very simple woman. You know, she gardens, she sleeps, she cooks, and she likes going to the grocery store. That's it, pretty much. So it's mostly just walking and talking, listening to her, listening to her needs, having conversations like we always do. What do you think that would give her? A lot. Uh, you know, she, she really appreciated yesterday's walk. You know, she, you know, we talked for 25 minutes. You know, it's the 25 minutes of the day she gets to finally talk to her son after <laughs> he's barraged a bunch of meetings <laughs> in, uh, in the basement. So uh, she's, she's definitely uh, happy whenever she gets that time. So we both take advantage of it. Is there anything you think you could discover in those talks that 
has not been voiced? That's a great point. Uh, definitely. I, I'm not sure what that discovery would be, but uh, I definitely agree in the sense that there's a lot of things that I can learn from my mom while, while she's still with me, like, while she's still here. I think there's still a lot, and I've learned a lot from her already, so I definitely think there's a lot left to discover. What are some of her favorite snacks? Hmm. She's not a very picky eater, so she actually just eats whatever I eat, which is kind of weird. She doesn't have her own, like, uh, but what, th- like, she has her own little Sri Lankan stuff that I can't really describe, so I'm not really sure what it is. But, you know, sometimes, like, sugar, like, little, you know, raw sugar that she just eats, or, like, avocado. I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain, but I think the idea is our snacking isn't that different. She just has a little bit more Indian snacks in her repertoire. Mm. So, Brendan, we're almost sort of coming to time. We have like less than 10 minutes left. But I'm really curious about sort of this aspect of you mentioned earlier about creating strategies, your snacking, and now spending time with your family. Um, Before previously, you mentioned this idea of time with regards to your profession and what you do in your career. How does now time balance out with family? Or does it? Yeah, that's a great great way to kind of close this off. I think the idea is everyone's going to have their own definitional work-life balance means. Right? That's kind of like the conventional word for use it. And I think for me, is it's find the balance that works for you. And I think what's great about this conversation is, you know, I get to learn a lot about myself, even if you just ask me a series of questions that I didn't really think to ask myself, for the most part anyways. So I think the idea is it's always an adjustment process. So for me... You know, and that's just the way I prioritized my time when I was 18 or 19. I picked job over family. And the reason I did that intentionally is because I knew the long-term ramifications of doing that was going to be beneficial for everyone. And it was. You know, I was 22. I retired my mother at 52. And everything worked out well. But I think the key now... You know, now that I have the money, how do I readjust now? Like, I can't be picking my job over family all the time. So it's always this readjusting dial. But I think what I learned in this conversation is I need to always readjust that more often. Because I mostly do that probably once every six months, once every year. It's more of a secondary thing. I should be a lot more intentional about how I'm readjusting that dial. Especially in the case now with COVID where I'm not traveling that much. So I had to readjust that dial a lot faster to make more time for family. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I see it. But for me, definitely building a legacy, building, doing important shit is definitely a lot more important than anything else in my life. So I spend 90% of my time on, you know, my business anyways. But I think the idea is how do I use the other 10% and make it meaningful or increase it to 15, 20%. So let's just imagine, I don't know, next week, a slew of meetings back to back. And so, so an obstacle, a massive obstacle came your way. How would you relegate that with this new awareness right i think the way i'd relegate i would still kill the the obstacle like it's always you know if there's a target you kill it but i think the idea is after it's done even if there's only 10 minutes in my day left i need to devote that to not just me sitting in my basement and just going what am i doing tomorrow but rather saying hey I didn't go see my mom today. I should spend 10 minutes talking to her, seeing how she's doing. So I think the idea is always, for me, it's always prioritize the target, get the target out. And then after that's done and I have a lot less stress and I could actually enter those meaningful conversations in a more meaningful way, then I could really say, even if it's three minutes, even if it's 10 minutes, don't judge yourself, but take the time. Don't make it zero. And then how would you handle the snacking element? Right, I think the snacking, what I would do a bit differently now is I would probably spend a bit more time out of my day researching what other experts are doing. Is there a new nut? Is there a new berry that I could add into my snacking? And the second part of that is how can I think about snacking more communally? How can I spend a bit more time and use those seven minutes in the snack at the same time while I'm just listening to my mom or my sister and seeing how their day is? Is there any resource or online resource regarding the snack of the day, as you put it? 
Right, so so most of my resources have been around Stephen Gundry's yes-no list, so I need to find other simple lists that I can digest, since most of the stuff out there is so, like, pages and pages of stuff. So I think for me, the next step is to figure out what other PDFs are out there, what other quick resources are out there from people that I trust that I can leverage and cross-reference with the stuff I already have. Oh, that's beautiful. I love the cross-referencing sort of element at, at this. Um, so, Brendan, we're sort of at time in terms of this coaching sort of session, but um, I just wanted to know, I mean, how do you feel about sort of this in general? Like, do you feel complete? <laughs> that's that's a very powerful question. I mean, yeah, man. I think I think you're really good at what you do, and you really ask me a lot of questions that I that I don't really spend enough time thinking about, right? That's why I think the power of coaching and people like you come into play, whereas you help other people think about things outside in the bigger picture, make them say, "Hey, stop for an hour, and let's let's think about this. Let's talk about this." And I think people like you are very much needed in in the world. So thanks for what you do. Sure, absolutely. So now we're going to transition uh, to my listeners, but I, please tell my listeners more about you. Of course. So, you know, my name's Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk. So it's a YouTube channel I started to help the world master the art of public speaking communication. Started in my mother's basement, and the goal is to is to get everyone in the world to, to communicate their ideas better. Uh, obviously, it's something that you probably don't need, Savio, but for most of us, <laughs> communication is definitely something we all need to work on. So yeah, I would encourage you all to check out the free videos that I have up for people. And is this, has always this been intrinsic in you, this feeling of speaking? Definitely not. So when I was a kid, <laughs> I was five years old. My parents looked up to me and they said, you live in Montreal, so you're gonna go to French school but I never spoke a word of French. So not only was I uncomfortable presentations, I had to present a language I didn't even know. So communication was the last thing that was on my mind. I hated it, I saw it like a chore. But then I went to university, I actually did presentations competitively and got really good at communication. And that's when it kind of shifted. But I think one thing to, to kind of build on what you said, one thing that's always been tr intrinsic about me is how do I add value to other people? You know, I think we're really privileged to, to live in a society where we can even have this conversation without, you know, having guns being pointed at us, right? So I think the idea is, you know, from that chance that we have, what can we do to, to build something cool, to build something important for people? Uh, how do you feel COVID-19 has affected your business? Yeah, definitely a lot. You know, I woke up overnight to 70% loss and, you know, all my speaking engagements getting canceled left and right or conferences I was going to go, like, just attend for the sake of attending. And I think the key message that I really want to communicate to everyone is people need to understand who the real enemy is. You know, I ask a lot of people this, Savvy. I go, like, you know, mother, sister, family member, or just people on the street, like, who's the enemy? Who's your enemy in your life? And they'll always respond with something ridiculous, like, oh, you know, the guy who cut me off in traffic this morning, or... You know, my girlfriend was like such a pain. I was like, wait, why are you insulting your... Anyways, it's just weird. But I think what I need to realize or what everyone needs to realize is we all have the same enemy. Everyone's enemy is the same. That enemy is time. You can throw money at time. You can yell at times. You can scream at time. You can berate it. But time always wins in the end. And a lot of people right now, Savio, say the following... 2020 is canceled, as if you can go to a bank and get a loan back for it. it. Makes no sense. So my advice to people is learn to reinvest it because you don't get this year back. So how can listeners, including myself, make time an ally? Powerful question. I have an exercise that people can do, though it's not very, uh, it's not very fun, but if you do it, it'll get you great results. And the exercise is to write your own funeral speech. And if you write your own funeral speech, what happens, Savio, is you really start to think of life in reverse. Like just this morning, one of the actors from Great Black Panther died today from stage four colon cancer, and he died at 43. Not 63, not 83, 43. And if I assume I'm going to die at 43, more than half of my life is already over. So I think the best way to make time an ally and to work with it is by first understanding what you want to do with it. And the best way to figure out what to do with it, and not just like every year, every second of every day, every minute of every day. And, and that doesn't mean working like me because I'm a crazy guy, but more in the sense of 
if you're spending, you know, if you want to spend your weekends with with your family, my question is, why are you only spending one, right? You know, if you want to spend three days different, why are you only spending two? That's what I want. That's what I want for people. And one exercise, another one that you can do is I break down all of the 168 hours of my week. So we all have 168, 24 times seven. I know, don't wanna make this a math quiz, but you get it. You have, that's a, everyone's got the same amount of hours. I use eight every day to sleep. Don't worry, I'm not crazy. I still sleep by eight. And then after that, what do I do with the rest, right? And the more intentional we are, you know, two hours with mom, four hours with the kids, whatever it is, the easier it is for us to beat time. So that when time comes and it runs out, we'll have used it effectively and we win. Wow, that was, I've never heard it quite put that way, but that's, excellent way of thinking about it so if sort of sort of end sort of this conversation if 2020 is not canceled what is your sort of quote for the year right so man so i think one thing i can do to spin this question is i'll give you my my uh my favorite quote of all time that i think summarizes this whole conversation and the conversation that i'll apply to 2020 is be insane or be the same if you made it this far into the podcast episode, we're probably like, what, 48 minutes in? You're probably somebody who wants to learn, wants to grow, wants to develop yourself. So the only advice that matters, if you want to do something great with your life, you need to be more insane. What does that mean? It means thinking in a way where decisions that you make in your life only make sense to you. Think about me. I started a YouTube channel on public speaking and communication tips at the age of 22. Started coaching C-level executives when I was 23. But I also am having this very conversation with you on the mattress in which I sleep on. I still live in my mother's basement. I don't own a car. And I don't plan on moving out of my mother's house for five years. So how do those decisions make any sense? And that is the point. They make sense to the only person that matters, which is you. So once you start making decisions that only make sense to you, those decisions are probably the right thing. So when it comes to 2020, whatever decisions you make, just make sure that you're the only person making them. Yeah. Wow. And on that note, <laughs> I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Brendan. Um, and then, yeah, thank you again. My pleasure. Hi there. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. They can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, daily prompts to move you in the right direction, sync directly to your smartphone, and a subscription to my weekly newsletter where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.